tell you the time that I got down and I repented of my sin and asked Jesus Christ to forgive me and come in and be Lord of my life. And he came in that day. I'm not telling you that I've not failed along the way. I've failed many times on God. But I can say this, God's never failed one time on me. He's always been there with me. The good times, the bad times. If you have your Bible this morning, stand with me. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to take a read a little bit there, and then I don't know. I'm just going to follow the Lord. And I know that he will bring it out so you can understand it. <clears throat> Paul was writing to the church at Philippi there in Philippians. So he started out, Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. I read that and I stopped there. How many this morning is a servant of Jesus Christ this morning in this building? A lot of servants of Jesus Christ this morning here. And he said, to all the saints, or Christians, in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops, and deacons. Now, those were people that had been put in as leaders of a church. That's what deacons, the uh, bishops, and so on and so forth, they are considered as leaders in the church. And I've always said, if you're going to have a growing church, and if you're going to have a strong church, then you're going to have to have some strong leaders leading the way. He said, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 3, what he said. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the God, first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? Even as it is meet or meant for me, this is what he said, even as it is meant for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of confirmation of the gospel, all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all and the bowed in the heart of Jesus Christ. And this, Paul said, and this I pray, that your love may abound or grow yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. And, you know, as I was sitting there and I was reading the other day and I was just reading here and reading there and, and I would stop and I would look. And, and, uh, but I went over into the, got over in here to the book of Philippians and I began to read. Now, I don't know how you other preachers are here this morning, but I know how I am. When I read this, and the Holy Spirit yesterday began to start showing me the direction that he needed to go, and as I read it, and I got to verse 3, and I said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, me, when I read something, 
I want to know why it was this way. I want to know what was happening. And when I read about the churches there in Asia Minor, I like to read the history of them, how they began, and what was going on in them. And so as I began to research the church at Philippi, there in Philippians, I found out that this was one of all the churches that Paul and his mission had been to, Ephesus, Galatians, Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd, 4th Corinth, all of the churches that he had been to and evangelized and churches that rose up, Philippi was his special church. It was his special church. I didn't really know that until I got to studying it and reading about it. And I got to thinking, how did this church begin? So I want to give you a little history, and then I want to get into really get into it. And I got to thinking there in verse 5, he said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And I got to sitting there thinking, and I've been to Bloomington all my life. It's always been my home church. And I got to remembering and thinking about how did this church really get started here in this community. Now, I know one time giving you a little history of the brethren in Christ about all of these churches rose up under a denomination called the Anti-Baptist. All the people that went to them was Anti-Baptist. Well, then later they began to split off the Baptist, I guess, and the brethren in Christ, I know did, started splitting off from this one big anti-Baptist association. Started in Russia or somewhere, Germany or somewhere or another. And I read a book one time on the Brethren in Christ. And at one time, we was called the River Brethren. They had church out on the river banks. And so they went by the name of River Brethren. But then I got to thinking about how this church here at Bloomington began, and it started back in the early 50s, I know, or maybe before, because when we moved back from Indiana, that's where we started going to church at, was down the road here, Brother Dean, and the old Bloomington schoolhouse. We'd have school of the day and church on weekends down there, no electric, and at night services we had laners, but we had church. So, and this church got its name Bloomington from the old Bloomington schoolhouse where we went to church at. And then later, our forefathers and mothers had a vision for a church in this community, so they built this one across the road, and it was dedicated, I believe, in 1960. So that's, and I got to remember all this, and as Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And so he said, always in every prayer of mine for you all, make the request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he, which was Jesus Christ, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, until the day of Jesus Christ. And I thought about that. And I thought about how this church had began and how this church has grown over the years. And not only 
uh, not only in number but in spirit uh, and how, what, how things has changed uh, over the years. Uh, and, and I got to thinking about that. And Paul said, uh, he said, I'm confident of this very thing that he which hath begun, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, and so I can say this morning, uh, I am very confident uh, what God started uh, uh, years and years ago right down the road uh, and years before that on a river bank somewhere or another. Uh, I am confident uh, that Jesus, uh, amen, will be with us, uh, not from just the beginning, uh, but he will be with us. Uh, as Paul said uh, about the church at Philippi, uh, I'm confident uh, that Jesus Christ uh, is going to lead us uh, and not leave us uh, even until the end. The devil has tried to stop us for years. People has tried to stop us for years. <laughs> But I'm confident that we just keep marching on. Amen. We've seen a lot of battles. We've seen a lot of storms, Brother Billy. We've seen, had to climb hills. We've had to walk through valleys. Uh, but I'm confident that God brought us through every one of them. Uh, and I'm confident this morning that he'll bring us through whatever we face there, uh, in the future. Amen. God, I feel good this morning. Hallelujah. And I sat there and I got to re going back and remembering things. And then I got to thinking, I know pretty much how Bloomington Chapel started, but I want to know why Paul had such a love for the church at Philippi. And I wanted to know how it started and when it started. <laughs> how many of you would like to know how it started and when it started? Look with me over in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Now, I just laid out a foundation here. Now, I ain't in no hurry this morning, are y'all? <coughs> in Acts, chapter 16, and verse 25. When you felt that, say, hey, man. The Bible said, and at midnight... Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard him. <laughs> and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loose. I'm going to stop right there this morning. Now, Paul... And Silas went there to preach the gospel. And while being there, the church, the people at Philippi was under Roman rule. Is that right, Brother Dean? Was under Roman rule. But in other words, they ruled Philippi. And so when Paul and Silas went there to preach, the Bible says that they locked them up. They didn't lock them up, but the Bible says that they beat them. They whipped them. And they beat them, and then they throwed them in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the Bible says when they put them in jail, when they put them in jail, old Paul and Silas took that opportunity to praise God. <laughs> Amen. To praise God. And the Bible said at midnight, 
at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises. <laughs> Woo! Sing praises to pray and sing praises. Can you imagine being in a place like that and the Bible talks like that that jail was full? And the Bible said that they began to pray and the Holy Ghost began to come down. Woo! <laughs> Is anybody with me this morning? I believe if we would pray like Paul and Silas did, I believe we could see a lot more happening. Amen. I believe that is two of the most powerful weapons that we have uh, is prayer and praise. Amen. So look what happened here. When they begin to pray and they begin to pray, sing praises unto God, says, the Bible said that the foundations of that jail began to shake and tremble. Amen. As Johnny was talking this morning in the Sunday school lesson about how would you have felt uh, the seventh day when uh, Ezra marched around uh, uh, Jericho there and them old walls started shaking uh, and began to fall down. Uh, well, I want to ask you, how did, would you have felt uh, if you was in jail there uh, and you hear somebody praying uh, and then start praising God in song, amen, uh, and all that old jail started shaking, uh, how would you have felt? Uh, as Johnny said this morning about being inside them walls, uh, if I was inside a jail and it started happening that way, uh, I guess I'd have been scared too. But the Bible said that the foundation began to shake in that old jail. And the Bible said that the doors began to swing open. <laughs> Can you imagine? And the Bible said that the shackles, the chains that they had, the men bound with, making sure they wasn't going to escape. And I'm sure old Paul and Silas, they had them bound with chains too, Brother Dean. Could you imagine what them sailors thought? I believe Paul and Silas knew what was going on because they was, had their trust in the Lord. Nothing was going to stop them from preaching the gospel. Nothing. But could you imagine them old, the Bible says, the prisoners inside that prison, Tracy, said they woke up. They woke them up, so they must have been pretty loud then, uh, praying, and when they started singing praises unto God. Maybe we ought to get a little louder in our churches today uh, so that we can wake some people up. Amen? Well, that went over pretty good. I'll try that again sometime. <laughs> but could you imagine them old prisoners probably sitting there sound asleep, chained, hands, arms, and feet. And they heard. They heard them. And then they felt the old jail of trembling. They were probably looking around, wondering what was happening. And all of a sudden, the Bible said, all of them's chains began to fall off. <laughs> Somebody ought to shout in this place. And the Bible said that that jailer who was responsible for the prisoners under Rome, that he was responsible for them. And if one of them escaped, then he got the punishment of what that was going to get. And sometimes it was death, and he knew when he woke up, didn't know what was happening, but he woke up and realized something was happening in the jail, and he jumped up, and the Bible said that he 
ran into the jail, back into the jail part there, and he drew out his sword, was going to thrust it through him because he thought, seeing the jail door, he thought that they'd all escape. And he knew death was all he was facing. Can't God work in amazing ways? Can't God show up in amazing places? And he drew his sword out him to thrust through his side. And Paul back in there, sat back in there, and, and he seen him. <laughs> and he cried out to this jailer. He said, Sir, said, don't do yourself no harm. He said, we're all still here. We're just having a little prayer and praise meeting. <laughs> little glory. We're just in here having church. Don't, don't do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the jailer said, bring me a light. Brought him a light, and he went back through there, and there they all was sitting there, just having a good time. Just having a good time in there. You know, every one of them guys could have escaped, but the Bible said not a one of them did. Not a one of them did. And the Bible said, the Bible said over there, and the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword, and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, uh, saying, Do thyself no harm, uh, for we are all here. We're all here. Don't hurt yourself. Then he called for a light, and he sprang in, and he came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Is anybody still with me? Sirs, what can I do to be saved? Have you ever heard, have you ever had somebody to come to you, to talk to you about their soul, and they've asked you this question, what have I got to do to be saved? I've had it to happen many times. Matter of fact, you're a little bit back and I told you about it. David back there called me and Tyson was down to Shannon to get a hair fixed and permanent. And I went back home to come over here to church and I left the church and fooled around for about two hours and I went back down there and I started in the road to pick her up and figured she was done. And David called me and he said, where are you at? And I said, I'm going to pick my wife up down here. He said, there's a man down here, an IGA in a parking lot, that wants to talk to you. I said, who is it? And David told me I didn't know him. And I said, well, what does he want? And he said, I think he wants to be saved. I said, well, can't you pray with him? He said, yeah, but he said he wants to talk to you. I said, okay. I said, I'll be right there. So I didn't. I turned around, Shannon, drive. I don't think her and Tyson know was out there. I just left Tyson there, and I went to town to the parking lot and met that man there. And he told me I began to talk to him, and he said, I've been a mean man. And from all accounts, he had been. But he said, I don't want to go to hell. He said, what do I have to do? He said, can God forgive me? I said, you asked him and believe him, and he'll forgive you. And after talking to him, Prayed with him. He prayed. He said he was saved. What must I do to be saved? There may be somebody here this morning, and you may have that question on your mind that you don't really understand. What, what have I got to do to be saved? The Bible says you've just got to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and the Bible says thou shalt be saved. If the Bible says that I believe it, amen. And the Bible said this man asked him, said, 
What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy whole house. Not just you, uh, but your whole house can be saved. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, friend, this morning. Uh, uh, Jesus has promised me uh, that I not only I would be saved, uh, but He's promised me uh, that my whole house would be saved, uh, that my children would be saved, uh, because I prayed so many prayers for them, uh, and I know God has heard my prayers, uh, and He said, if you will follow me uh, and be obedient to me, uh, He said, not only you and not only your wife, but He said, I'll save your whole family. How many believe this morning? Don't never give up on your families. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. I don't know where that's a meaning in the jail. I'm figuring it is. He probably lived there. But all of them was in the house, his family and all. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightways. And when, when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Amen. Can you imagine the old jailer, all his family got saved? All those who were working for him in the jail got saved? What a prayer meeting that must have been in jail. I've had a lot of them myself in jail when I had a jail minister on Tuesday night or Monday night. See, God is no respecter of person this morning. He's everywhere. They may lock you up in jail, but they can't lock God up in jail. He'll visit you anywhere. He'll save you anywhere. But all, all of them were saved. And it all was because of obedience unto God. It's all because they had a desire, knowing the people in Philippi needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. No church there at that time, evidently. And the Bible said, And when it was day, the magisters, the workers sent the sergeants, saying, saying to them, Let those men go. Let them go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, telling him, They have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. I guess after they'd heard what had happened there in that jail, they wanted to get rid of them two preachers. There's probably a lot of people, brother, they wanted to get rid of me a few times. But Paul said unto them, wait a minute, he said, paraphrase, they have beaten us openly and uncondemned, being Romans that have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privately? My word is saying, he said, no, no, that ain't going to happen. But he said, let them come themselves and fetch us out. They were the one done it. They were the one beat us. You were the one took us and wiped up our wounds and cleaned up our, our wounds. Where these people had beaten us. These people, you weren't the one locked us up. These people were the one locked us up. I appreciate this, but no, you go tell them to come. Come themselves. We want them to do it. You know, a lot of times we as Christians, we like to blame somebody else for our problem. You know that? And them kind of people is the most miserable people in the world when they get man enough or woman enough to stand up and face the consequences of their wrong. Said, so, no, you, you know, you, you go tell them. So we find out that they did. They went down there. And they came and besought them and brought them out 
and desired them to depart out of the city. And they desired them to get, what, what don't you out of here? I bet you did really nice when they met them. Why? Because they were changing that place. They were changing that place around. That's what happened. And so remember, this was a church. Uh, this is the church of Philippi that I was t talking about and read about a while ago. This is where it all began at. Where it all began. Because if you read on over in there further, they came to a place called, what was her name, Lydia? To a lady's house. And she took them in. Her, her house leave. And that's where the church of Philippi started, was in the house of Lydia. Can you believe that? Started in the house. Just because Paul and Silas was locked up. What? Man, I'll tell you, that, that's a great story. But he said in verse 9, back on Philippians, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent. Paul said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Two key words in there is love and joy. Love and joy. And Paul, even though Paul was in prison, Paul still had a joy when he thought about the church. Now the Philippian church, the Philippian church, if you've been in Bible study with it, the Philippian church was not like the church over in Galatians. The Philippian church that Paul was thanking God for them was a strong, well-established church. After Paul had went there and after the church had began when he went there, the church started at Lydia's house and the church began to grow and began to grow and more and more began to go and they began to mature and mature and mature so they had to get them deacons and bishops, so to speak, to get over it to run the church, to run the church. And they were strong leadership, not like the church in Galatians that we had been studying about, Brother Dan, in Bible study, because after Paul had went to the church in Galatia, and the church started there, and then later they was growing and maturing, and they was growing good, and Paul would told them, you know, they wasn't under the law, but under grace. And they believed God's grace, and they believed what Paul preached to them, that you could be saved by grace and, and live by faith. And so they accepted Jesus Christ by faith. In the book of Galatians, the Bible said they was a growing and maturing, but after Paul left, later then they was what I call false prophets come in, Judaizers, false prophets come in and begin to tell them they still need to be circumcised under the law. They had to abide by the law in order to be a Christian, which that was not true. And some of them was going back. I mean, they... Uh, uh, Paul said, who, who has tricked you? Who, who has done this to you? Who, who, why are you listening to them people? But here in the church of Philippi, it wasn't that way. They didn't allow no false prophets because they had matured and matured and matured. So Paul was thanking them for their grace, for their fellowship, that when he was with them, thanking them for their growth, thanking them not only for that, but this church supported Paul uh, at a number of places, when he was in Corinth, at the churches there in Corinth, uh, and the churches in Galatians, uh, and, the and, and, and the church at Thessalonia, and these other churches where Paul went to, start, they evidently didn't have any money or something to give him. And the Bible says that time and time again, wherever he was at, uh, that the church of Philippi loved him, uh, 
and was in the ministry with him, uh, wanting to see the kingdom of God grow and spread out. That's the way we ought to be today, church. Uh, we ought to be praying for every church in Adair County, amen. Not only in Adair County, but all over the world, uh, that it would grow and mature, amen. And as Johnny said this morning, the church has got more power uh, than what the government has got. Because we have got the one that's got all power. And so they would send him money. And it wasn't an easy deal. There's a guy named Euphrates or something like that was out of the church at Philippi that helped the ministry, helped Paul in the ministry. And he always knew where Paul was going. And the church there at Philippi would take up money and whatever and send him down to where Paul was at, if it was in Corinth or if it was in Thessalonica or wherever he was. They would send him money down there to help him to supply his needs, uh, amen, that he could preach the gospel uh, anywhere that he was at, amen. We ought to be a church like that to support it, that we can reach out, not just only in this community, but throughout the world. So Paul was thanking them. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I can stand this morning, and I've got a lot of memories since I've been here. I've really got a lot of memories since I've been in the ministry here of this church. Back in younger days, I was offered a number of churches that I could go to, but my heart wasn't in them like it was here. I've seen people grow. I've seen people mature. I've seen people come. I've seen people go. But when I think about it, and I remember some of the things that we've been through, and I thank my God this morning, the opportunity that I've had to pastor years in ministry here. And my love has grown. I said if a pastor don't have 